0: Well, I'm happy because I'm the head coach. I mean, I, you know, I'm really, really happy. But I'm, I'm hoping that the whole state and you and everybody that follows Arkansas is ecstatic about the Hogs winning. Again, I think this is what should happen at Arkansas. Now, I'm not saying we ought to win every game, but we're the University of Arkansas. When you look at Eric and Dave, they're doing it. And Diefel and everybody, they're doing it. University of Arkansas, it should happen to us.
1: And you mentioned just the scheme, that three-two-six. Where did y'all sort of get the idea, and how, when did you start implementing that look? You no, know, we've been thinking
2: about that since uh, the Sunday after our game last year.
3: Once again, we did not make it easy. I would certainly like that one time. That um, yeah, coach looked
1: like you had three or four opportunities. to hit on touchdown passes and just couldn't
0: connect. Can you talk about that, what a big factor it was?
4: <laughs> yeah, it's a big factor if you're going to miss touchdowns. Uh,
1: hey, Brian, can you sort of take us through your mind, first of all, as TJ's making that play on the fourth down? And-
4: yeah, good yeah. questions. Um, I probably can't repeat what's going through my mind. I want to issue a challenge, and I want it to be heard right now. You know, we got a huge
5: game next week at 12 o'clock in Athens, Georgia. We'll have an opportunity to put on a, a heck of a show at 12 o'clock in Sanford Stadium next week. So thanks, and go Dogs.
6: Oh, welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Brennan. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter. What are you up to, your big Tennessee homer?
7: Hey, buddy. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it was a struggle uh, to open that one, brother. Oh, Mike, it was a rough, rough weekend. I, I I've got no money. My bets are going <laughs> everywhere. Tennessee's losing. My, my friends' pets' birds' heads are falling off. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> man, right? Before, oh, man! Right before we started
6: the show, though, we really were to say and man. What a terrific weekend of college oh, yeah. football this really was. I know. Some of you suffered some losses here, but, hey, on the Mm -hmm. bright side, Clemson went down. Ohio State had a guy quit in the middle of the the game. Uh, There was Mm -hmm. just upsets left and right, and the football in the SEC was just outstanding. This this has been my favorite weekend of the season. How about you, Shane?
7: Well, no, Mike. It was not, (laughs) but... For 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 those that didn't know, of course, my lock of the week. I've been I've been killing it, and then um, mm-hmm. you know I tried something. I I, I went on Mizzou, and we're going to talk about that game here in a minute. So I put a hundred dollars. That was my lock of the week. Should have won it, didn't? Uh, so we got on. Uh, for those that don't know, we jumped on. Tried one of those Twitter things. Uh, what are they called? I think they're called Twitter word. Spaces. Yeah. So finally figured that out. Jumped on. Got to talk to a couple listeners, which was awesome. Uh, but during that, I realized that Mizzou was in, str- was in trouble. So, you know, naturally what Shane likes to do is bet himself out of a bad situation. So I throw a hundred on the Texas A&M Aggies. And of course, we know how that song ended and... Uh, <laughs> So, there I was, down 200, debating on whether to put money on the Florida Gators, <laughs> But I didn't. I didn't. I, I, a lot of, but uh, needless to say, so as far as a Vol fan and, and as a gambler, it was a rough weekend. But as far as the actual product, Mike, it was fantastic. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I feel like now we have a better understanding of how the SEC is going to develop. You know, for a long time, we didn't know who's who. And Mm -hmm. and it feels like we took three steps forward this weekend.
6: Yeah, and let's just start with the game of the week. You just teased it right there, Shane, jumping down to Jerry World, where Arkansas and Texas A&M went head-to-head with a nine-game winning streak on the line for the Mm -hmm. Aggies. Finally broken by them Razorbacks, 20-10, was the outcome, but this one felt like it was never in doubt, Shane. I mean, uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks came out ready to play. They've carried that fight all season long, basically since the uh, second half of the opener against Rice. And, you know, the story to me, Shane, two things. One, Arkansas just dominated on the uh, first down. I mean, they, mm-hmm. you know, let's credit uh, Kendall Browse, K.J. Jefferson and company. I said they got to feed that beast. Uh, <laughs> Traylon Burks, 10 targets, six catches, Jeez. 167 yards, a touchdown. That was huge. And, you know, AM's defense was on its heels all game long. Now, I'll hype up what I said at a pregame but I'll also uh, call myself out because I thought Zach Calzada was going to have a lot better day. You know, he looked mm-hmm. good when they needed him against Colorado. He certainly looked good against New Mexico, but – I don't want to say he got exposed, but I just wanna—I would say that Barry Odom and company came up with a terrific game plan. Really stifled the Aggies outside of this uh, Isaiah Spiller. I think it was a 60-something-yard touchdown run, but beyond that, yeah, I mean it was all Arkansas. And I don't know—the best may yet to come for the Arkansas Razorbacks. But it seems like everybody in the country is shocked that Arkansas is off to a 4-0 start. What were your thoughts on the game?
7: You know, I've got a skittish dog uh, named Bruno, a little, little Morky. He's my baby. You know, I love him to death. But he is anxious. Whenever I move, you know what I'm saying? I get up off the couch, he freaks out. It's like you'd think I'd beat him, but I don't. <laughs> That's kind of like what I felt like Calzada was going through. Like every, every snap, he was just – it felt like he was ready to get out of the pocket. And I don't know if that's because he didn't have trust in that offensive line, which he probably shouldn't. But it just, if you watch his feet, he was just, he was never in the moment. He was never in that game. And, um, but I don't want to blame. I, I Again, I know I started off with the blame thing, Mike. I want to start off by apologizing to the Arkansas Razorback fans because I did not think in the back of my mind, they had a shot against Texas A&M. I just thought the talent was that much superior with the Aggies than it was the Razorbacks. And I'm telling you, man, I'm two quarters into this thing thinking, Damn. I, I, you know, either A&M's really bad or Arkansas's just playing really good. And it just it felt like the perfect storm. So, I, again, I want to apologize to them, and I want to apologize for the Aggies for having to deal with a quarterback that is afraid of his own damn shadow.
6: Mm-hmm. Well, and speaking of that, I totally forgot to mention this guy, Trey Williams. He was outstanding, number 55 for the Razorbacks. I don't see any way that he's not SEC Defensive Lineman of the Week after the, the yeah. show he put on to, down there in Jerry World. And, you know, this is a guy that's been banged up. He was a transfer from Missouri. All these Missouri fans mad that they don't got a defense. Well, it's because some of your best linemen followed Barry Odom down there to Fayetteville. So, uh, you know, let's yeah. really got to – I mean, he took this thing over. He was outstanding. And, you know, I don't want to say this game was never in doubt, but Arkansas came out, was the dominant team. And then, you know, the, the big play – KJ Jefferson, it didn't look like much, but he's hurt himself. He got his uh, look like his leg yeah. banged up and they had to insert uh, the backup Malik Hornsby who he can run, but uh, you know, we've not really seen him as an effective passer and that really kind of altered the momentum of the game. And it felt like in the second half, Arkansas was just trying to hang on as opposed to mm-hmm. in the first half, they were the dominant team in the game. So, uh, you know, I think even you texted me that it uh, it seemed like A&M, you know, may win this game with Hornsby in there. Yeah. But that's kind of how it felt. But, the, but that Arkansas defense it, never broke, did it?
7: it? It felt Tennessee-esque there for a minute, <laughs> <Mike>. It's like, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> no, I, I'm with you. And, and when they got one-dimensional, it felt like they were playing a little conservative uh, you know A&M kudos they, they got back into this thing and had a moment I, I mean if it weren't for a crucial interception I don't know if if I mean if they could have defended that I mean they easily could have won this game Uh, but the fact of the matter is you got that comfortable lead in the first half and you did that by being a just kudos to that offense man I, I just I didn't expect that from KJ I mean I did expect that from Burke. I mean, I know they're superior athletes, but I thought this defense – I mean, because that's all we've heard about mm-hmm. is how great A&M's defense is, how many points no one scored against them. And then you look up, and they're just moving the ball at will. It took them a while, and they were almost a little skittish on that side of the ball until half. So, yeah, it was just – it was a great game. Now, as far as the injuries, have you heard anything? Because I know Burke's was uh, – uh, he was he was kind mm-hmm. of uh, hurt for a little bit.
6: Yeah, at this point, not yet. I'm sure that's going to be the weekly question, just like it was uh, Dalton Wagner and Ricky Stromberg. Are they going to play? Of course, they suited up, gave Arkansas their full tilt there on the offensive line. So, yeah, at this point, don't know. But certainly, going into that game next week against the Georgia Bulldogs in Athens, the only chance Arkansas has got, they need K.J. Jefferson, they need Traylon Burks in oh, yeah in uniform to suit up against uh, maybe the best team in the nation. So, cannot wait for that one, Shane. College game day has already announced they're going to be in Athens for the Arkansas-Georgia game. So, so much hype surrounding that one. And we'll see if uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks can keep this thing going where a uh, and has got uh, Mississippi State at home next weekend looking ahead before uh, that big showdown with Alabama. So, Certainly, the season's not done for the Aggies, but uh, you, you know yeah. you gotta get this thing, especially the offense, right immediately because uh, you know it's gonna get much much tougher here in a couple weeks when them Crimson Tide come to town. You know what?
7: Oh yeah, they. I mean, Mike, it's the the the, the guessing's over, the the playtime's over, the the given victories are over. They A and M's got to turn it up. They got to win out. If they're gonna if they're gonna compete at the SEC championship, they've got to win out, and uh, the the margin for error is gone. So I, I think th- that's big. It's a big rebound. How does how does Jimbo get these boys going into next week? We'll find out soon. Uh, but again, I, I'd like to just again, Arkansas man. I'm telling you, they're legit. I I, I doubted them. I was a lot like a lot of you guys out there that are listening to this. They said, I, you know, yeah, they had a good game. How good is Texas, you know? <laughs> but right. I'm telling you, Texas A&M has got a hell of a ball club and Arkansas just whooped their ass.
6: Yeah, and, and Texas turned around. I, I didn't watch the game, but uh, Texas Tech was undefeated. Texas hung 70 on them, be, beat the pants off them this week. So, again, <laughs> that's only going to help Arkansas look that much better. You know what?
7: Yeah. Absolutely. The
4: tricky time, there's a lot to unpack, I guess, when KJ got hurt and um, just kind of overcoming a bit of a momentum swing there. And What did you guys do and how did you overcome it? And what was KJ's
0: status during that whole time? Well, it, uh, you know, the defense kept us in the game. I mean, that was the, the biggest thing, and they knew it. Remember, adversity doesn't mean it has to directly affect your side of the ball. It affects the other side. And, and adversity affects, you know, our because KJ was out it affected defense too and uh, they went in there and played really well I thought and, and uh, then when Mo picked the pass you know that was it was so big because you know it was you know let's punt him down to the 20 20 they kick it back to our 20 you know not a lot happening which was okay when you're 14 up but then when it got to seven it was a different story and that was a big, big pick. I don't know if I even answered your question, to be honest with you. What Did it, I? With KJ, like, what was
4: going on again? Was he
0: trying to get loose back up? Oh, no. He went into the tent. Uh, he hit right on top of his knee. And it's just a bruised knee. Uh, I think they tried to put something on it, you know, to maybe numb it a little bit. And uh, it, that, that numbing gel, I'm not obviously a doctor, but it takes a – a second or two or a minute or two to get it you know where it numbs your knee and then finally it worked and he came in you know at the end of the uh at the end of the game there in the fourth quarter coach Odom his staff on that side of the ball did an outstanding job but the kids executed the plan they they kept us in the game all night and we knew they had to coming in because we knew A&M's reputation on defense that was you know it was basically our defense versus their defense and then Which offense can score more points? And uh, fortunately, we did. Trey Williams has three and a half sacks the last two weeks. What's he doing? Well, Trey really works hard, you know, at practice and he works all his different moves and those type things. And, uh, you know, I thing, he's healthy now. You know, he was beat up a little bit early in the year and he's healthy now. So uh, he's really got a nice little little swim move on him a little rip move and and uh he's fast some of the things he couldn't do early in the year is because of health you know his back was jacked up his bicep was jacked up a little bit and now he's healthy so he's a good football player i know because he gave gave us trouble when i was at georgia i had two first round left tackles and or georgia did i didn't i mean georgia did and and uh, we had a hard time blocking him when he was a freshman and sophomore. Uh, I
8: don't think you uh, is there available
0: Yeah, they're, they're available. They're, they're playing tonight.
4: The
0: they didn't practice like I told you. I don't lie to y'all. I just keep stuff from it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was truthful that neither one of them practiced uh tuesday and then uh, or monday i guess and then you know we started slowly working them in and then uh, ricky said hey i'm ready to roll on wednesday and wags gave me the thumb up you know and he wagner's so tough i mean he's just a tough guy and uh so i slept good knew we had our starting five in there not that i didn't think we could do well if they weren't in there but obviously there's a reason there are one, and uh, they went in there and they played the old game. Played, played good. It's a good defensive football team. A&M's A&M now. They won 11 in a row for a reason. They got a good f- football coach and a good team.
4: Uh, I talked about this before in terms of their no quick, quick fixes on the offensive line, but how would you evaluate their play and what you need to do? Well, I mean,
1: we got to, to him protect him. better and we got to, I think we, I know we didn't get as much as sir. We had to, we popped a couple runs. runs was they ended up with a hundred yards, but he popped the one big run, had it there. We had some nice four or five, we had some consistent runs the first two or three drives, you know, and then we have a self-inflicted wound, get behind the sticks and couldn't pick up on third down or third down conversions were really poor and, you know, and, and times uh, I have to. I don't want to take my foot in my mouth to do it, but I think we got to get more surge. We had to, we had nothing. Jameer got hurt. and We had to move around again and, and make some adjustments today. Uh, we're getting banged up up there, but we got to get more more surge and try to find some more time. But I'll look at how we can scheme it or do it or, uh, or see if that what I saw in the game was. Till I look at the film, I don't want to uh, same with the
2: offensive line. Uh, Fifty five gave you a lot of problems. Uh,
1: he rushed well. He did off the edge. He would he he did. He caused problem. Made a step up. Get inside on three man rushes sometimes too. And uh, did a real nice job, but uh, and so you like to chip and help all those things out. But at the same time, when you're eight man drop, you got to get guys into zones or they can double cover your guys and where you're doing. So we got to do a better job yeah, in that. I know
2: we? you talked about it in your opening statement, but could you expand upon that just a little bit? Of how disappointing it was to get behind early and then not really be able to. To get much of a challenge until you got late in the second half?
1: Yeah, well, we got middle of the third quarter. We were, 70, we were middle of the third quarter, 17-10. We popped it, so we had plenty of time. We had a whole quarter and a half right there with them one score. and that's a, Like I said, that's a disappointing thing. We got to get some three and outs, win the field position battle, and then offensively go get some points, but we didn't do that. But it is, like I say, you never win a game in the first 10 minutes of a game, 15 minutes of the game, but you can sure put yourself behind the eight ball, and that's what we did. We gave up big plays, big drives. They hit some – third. I mean, I mean, just – Made plays early in the game, and, and we didn't get guys down. We were out of gaps, you know, missed, didn't tackle. I, I didn't think we tackled well. Our spa, We didn't tackle in space very well, especially the first half of that game. We were very poor in our tackling, in, in my opinion. It looked like, again, I'll watch the film and see, but, uh, you know, it put you behind the eight ball, and you got some young guys, put some pressure on some offens- young offensive guys, and, you know, we didn't do a good enough job coaching them to help them get through it.
6: So we got to move on here. We got to get to uh, – man, This is a t- this was a tough one for you, Shane. Boston College. Defends the home field advantage, wins in overtime against Missouri, 41-35. And this uh, game was somewhat of a shootout early on. I mean, neither defense could stop the other. Uh, You know, you literally could not start the game any better if you're the Missouri Tigers. You march down the field, 75-yard touchdown drive. Boston College, first play of the game, throws an interception. You're thinking, well, here we go. Tigers are going to dominate. But this Missouri defense, man, they have... They have not found any answers here. Mm-mm. They uh, could not stop. I mean, hell, Boston College, Shane, they had a 99-yard drive. Only, yeah. only took them four plays to do it. I mean, like <laughs> that's dreadful right there. Uh, Boston College offensive line was just pushing Missouri around all day long. Connor Bazelak had a couple – really bad interceptions, including uh, right there in overtime. That was, of course, cost Missouri the football game. You know, we, you can't just put it on the quarterback, but it was uh, it was not his best performance there. And I kind of felt like, uh, and I know you did too, when, when they went the length of the field and Mavis hit that uh, field goal as time expired, that would give Missouri that momentum going in overtime, but it was just more the same mm-hmm. Boston College just doing what they wanted to Missouri's defense. And and then, of course, you get the interception by Bazelak. That was the end of the story. And these damn Boston College people stormed the field <laughs> for beating Missouri. So, uh, just a tough, tough game here for the Tigers. And now they got to jump back into SEC play on a, a losing streak here. So, uh, what, what were your thoughts on this one?
7: <sighs> that this defense is worse than I thought they were. I, I, I mean this this was this is embarrassing. I, I mean Bazelak should. I mean, he should be so damn mad at that defense right now because he played a hell of a game. Yes, he had a couple interceptions. One probably could have went a different way the end of the game. You know, I don't know. It shouldn't have came down to that. This team had no problem moving the ball on Boston College, uh, and they just had no answer on defense. And the, and the efficiency of Boston College, they were just out there. It felt like just eating the clock up. Mm-hmm. I and, Give them the more time to tell us stories about these great NFL linemen on the Boston College front. (laughs) I was just – I was sick and tired of it, Mike. And I know if I was – if you were a Mizzou fan, you definitely were because you're sitting there and you just needed them to make one or two mistakes so that they can get the ball back. And it'd be third and five or third and eight, and all of a sudden they get another first down and move the chains. You can't have that, man. We can't have that. And uh, now, now I'll tell you, Mike. It was a beautiful ending. The the field goal to put this thing in overtime. That's the, the again. That was all the offense. But when it came down to it, the defense lost this game. This it was it's a terrible defensive performance. Yeah, they gave up. Somebody should get fired up there. They
6: well, they gave up 275 <laughs> rushing yards again to an, an, another me. inferior opponent. Uh, and it, it kind of the tail of the game to me, Shane. Missouri in the red zone went 5 for 5. I mean that's outstanding. That you know yeah. gives you an indication of uh uh you know the Tigers offense and their their game planning and how they protect the football, but the defense four they four for four in the wrong direction hmm. for Boston College. So it's kind of right what you're saying. I mean the, the offense is making the plays to win the game, a defense is making all the plays to give it away. So uh, and and it's just going to get more difficult with uh, Josh Heupel and company coming into town. you still got to play the likes of uh, Dan Mullen, and now this Georgia offense is heating up. So, hell, Arkansas offense is heating up. We have got to get this defense solved in a damn hurry. Otherwise, Missouri is going to be, you know, stuck at the bottom of the SEC East for – or unless Connor Bazelak is just, you know, lights out and and cannot be stopped the rest (sighs) of the way. You know what?
7: Well, that's it. You, As far as Mizzou, they can't afford to lick their wounds because you thought Boston College had an offense. Wait till you see Tennessee. And I know I, – don't get me wrong. Tennessee's got a lot of problems and, and a lot of holes to fix, but they have no problems moving the chains either, especially if they play like they did against Boston College.
6: Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, moving on down to uh... – the SEC West, we had a really a big game here, I think, for both these teams. LSU goes on the road, beats Mississippi State 28-25. to LSU and Coach Ed Ogeron, I mean, they had to have this one because they're going into the, mm-hmm. the gauntlet here of a schedule in the SEC. And, you, you know, there's already hot seat talk. If you go and lose to the Pirate two years in a row, I think Coach O may have been as good as gone. Uh, but this was – I know the score may not indicate it, but it was a relatively dominant performance here. And I th- yeah. the, i think the biggest key to me is just, uh, you know, how embarrassing last year was for LSU. It all started with that Mississippi State game. They couldn't do anything to solve it. They just basically took Barry Odom's g- defensive game plan and applied it to their system, forced Mississippi State to dink and dunk all over the field, and they just got I- I- impatient with it for whatever reason yeah I mean they threw it 60 some odd times against uh, an mm-hmm. LSU team that was just sitting back and letting them dink and dunk and uh, they just could not get anything going and on the, the LSU offensive side it was a it was a story of big plays Shane I mean uh, Max Johnson mm-hmm. had four passes for 183 yards including three touchdowns now he had 280 total yards passing in the whole game but <laughs> Like I said, most of that came on four plays. So that, yeah. that's all it really was for LSU was just a you know a, less than a handful of big plays, keeping everything in front of you, dinking and dunking. And for whatever reason, Mississippi State will not run the ball. I mean, I, uh, that's got to be on Mike Leach because the running game was working and LSU was giving it up to him. They just – they weren't going to let the big play beat them like it did last year. And uh, one other thing I wanted to mention, Cardell Flott, the defensive back for LSU player of the game, in my opinion, he's the one that uh, forced the fumble early on, gave LSU their first touchdown of the game, gave him a lot of momentum. And he also had one hell of an interception also in the first (laughs) half. But when you make those plays, you know, that really just fueled LSU's defense the entire day. And now Mississippi State and Mike Leach on a two-game losing streak and really, you know, searching for answers during – the start of SEC play is is the worst place to have that come. You know what?
7: Yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of with you there, Mike. Uh, I think I think this is one of the most frustrating games to me, though. It, it, it felt like no team really wanted it. And, and now I know you you could say LSU ha- had their way with this thing, but like you said, if it weren't for three or four huge mistakes then it's a tight ball game. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they're, they're letting Mississippi State get into this thing. I didn't understand the, the conservative play calling because it was working, but then, like you said, the Pirate, he he wanted it to move faster. I, just, I don't know. It's just frustrating on both sides. It's like, which team's going to grow up this week? One of these teams can, can make some noise in the SEC, Mike. I, I truly believe it. They've got the talent. they got the roster for it. But who, who's it going to be? Is this the is this the LSU that we're going to see a progression each week, or or are they just still going to make these same boneheaded mistakes? Because again, they did make some mistakes in this game, and and they should at one point put this thing away. It should never have been one of those that came down to an onside kick.
8: Hmm.
6: Yeah. And, and hell, I mean, Mississippi State's got a hell of a defense, but you know they're just not getting helped out much by the offense and. Uh, right. You know, it was kind of like we said going into the game. What offense is going to show up for Mississippi State? It doesn't seem like they come alive till they're down in a hole they can't escape. And it's the same damn story here. I mean, their final three possessions here, they scored a touchdown on each one of them. But they were yeah. in such a big hole, uh, obviously they came up short. So, uh, again, you know, if Mississippi State were to figure things out in the first half of these ball games, they're probably undefeated right now. But instead – Mm-hmm. They're sitting here at two and two, and the and you know the and fans wondering what in the hell's going on there. Is is Will Rogers the right guy? Is Mike Leach the right guy? Uh, it's it, to me, it comes down to consistency because they're they're one quarter they're someone, the next quarter they're totally different, and yeah. th- it's just not it's just not working at this time. And and you just got to hope that if they put all those pieces together, they can uh, you know make something happen. Whereas on the flip side for LSU. Yeah, I know it wasn't pretty, but uh, you got yourself a win here, and and now you're on a (laughs) three-game winning streak. You're welcoming Auburn. We'll get to them in a moment, but certainly a struggling Auburn coming in at uh, at 8 o'clock Saturday night. I mean, that place is going to be rocking. LSU's got a chance, I think, to build some serious, serious momentum as uh, the schedule keeps getting tougher and tougher for the Tigers.
7: Mike, let me ask you real quick cuz again, I don't want to I don't want to beat up on LSU cuz you're right, they did get the victory, but if this team's going to win some games this week, it it feels like they're going to have to get that running game going. I mean, I'm looking at a stat line here, 63 yards rushing when you had the lead majority of the game. Right. Is that I mean, is that alarming to you or I mean, you watched it too. Was it more game flow do you think? Uh what, how does LSU fix this? Because I've I still not seen anybody step up.
6: You know, it's a huge concern, and that's why they couldn't put Mississippi State away. I mean, at one point, the score was 21-3, uh, to 3, I believe. And when, when it's 21-3 to 3 and you you hold on to win by three points, I mean, that it gives you all the indication in the world that you can't close the game out. And it is yeah. a huge concern. And uh, I don't know how it can be fixed because – the offensive line is a mix of uh you know mostly veterans guys that have starts started for years have played together for years and I know they're banged up and they've been kind of shuffling in and out of the lineup so the continuity is is an issue they got a new offensive line coach Brad Davis who's coming in from uh came in from Arkansas you got to hope that uh, he can do something but you know they've got some talented backups but they're all either freshmen or sophomores so you know yeah. that's just not a position where here in the middle of the season you can just get a guy ready to go on the offensive line. <laughs> so it just kind of is what it is. And I and I think uh, you know I think you 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 hit it right on the head there. I mean, if the, as long as they cannot run the ball in the SEC, you are just you cannot consistently win. I mean they have they have got to get right. this fixed. And I just I don't know if they can do it. But against an elite team that'll come back to bite them. But against Mississippi State who I mean, they, they did stifle them on the ground, but because of all these explosive plays, it didn't matter. And mm-hmm. like I said, we'll get to Auburn in a second here, but they look saw, against Penn State. We're going to see it against Georgia State. They were uh, giving yeah. up big plays left and right. So I don't know that it will necessarily kill them next week, but when they get into uh, Alabama and all these teams, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a huge, huge problem. <laughs>
3: and you mentioned just the scheme,
1: that three two six. Where did you all sort of – Get the idea, and how, when did you start implementing that look?
2: You no, know, we've been thinking about that since uh, the Sunday after our game last year. And really, we watched Arkansas and, I, and what Arkansas had done to them. We really studied Arkansas' film a lot. We made a couple adjustments. Uh, give the uh, credit to our coaching staff. Everybody pitched in. Uh, Dorontae did a great job of implementing Our guys had a great job in believing in it. Uh, it was a little different for us because, you know, when you lead the nation in sacks, it's hard to go a three-man rush, but we had to I – mean, hard, hard, hard to do it. And uh, mm-hmm. But we gave up something. We told them as long as they don't beat the ball deep, we wanted to build a fence and make them throw the ball in front of us. And uh, for the most part, it worked. But
9: how did those two uh, turnovers kind of set the tone for your defense in the first half? And how did you feel at halftime? You had to be excited at halftime. Yeah,
2: time. I was excited. You know, we, hey, we say, Sheldon, big plays, fuel emotion. And, you know, we had to take the crowd out of the game. And uh, we, we were going to take the football. We were going to take the football and give the ball to the offense, go down there and score. But they, they decided to take the ball, so they beat us to the punch. But uh, us having uh, those turnovers kind of took their crowd, the crowd out of the game a little bit, gave our guys some confidence. I felt good going into halftime, but I knew it was going to be a 60-minute game. I knew those guys would adjust to what we were doing. And uh, they came back. They're you know, good coaching staff. They some good players. I wish we would have finished better.
8: Uh, one stat that really
1: stood out to me, total plays, Mississippi State had yeah. 88-54. to 54. Yeah, you know, y- y'all had three touchdowns of over forty yards in the second half. Right. Is that kind of the You know, the big playability with these dynamic wide yeah. receivers—is that your the vision you're looking for in this offense? Yeah, is that, that you know, kind of just yeah. dyna- dynamic. Attack?
2: Well, hey, we're gonna take the we're gonna take the big plays the way we can get them. But knowing that we were gonna make them throw the ball in front of them, for us, and not give them big plays, we knew they were gonna have long drives, as long as they didn't score. And our defense did get tired. We needed to rotate a little bit better. Uh, 80 something plays, probably the most plays we played this year, or close to it. And uh, we need to get used to that if we're going to play that type of defense against a spread offense.
5: Coach, last couple games you guys have been good in terms of yardage, but what is it right now with this offense that you guys are able to put together drives but not necessarily get scores? I
10: think it's just part of the process. I think that, uh, you know, you start out make you know, can you make plays in practice? Yes. Can you make plays? In games, yes. Can you put them together you know, with a context that really good teams have? Uh, we're battling to get there.
4: Coach, what is it, uh, or is there anything different about Will and the offense when fourth quarters, Louisiana Tech, Memphis today, they just seem more efficient when they get a little behind and start pushing the pace, make more plays, more connections, pick up the game a little faster?
10: Well, I agree 100%. I think what happens is they don't overthink plays. I think right now, you know, I think that uh, – we have a tendency to overthink plays, and I think we get to that point, and then they don't overthink plays. And um, I can't say that we become more confident, but I think as we, you know, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a mental deal. I mean, we uh, take comfort knowing that uh, well, that it can't get any worse. I guess is how I'd categorize it, and then uh, we let ourselves play. But right now. Uh, too many plays, most of the plays that you ask about we get in our own way. And we just have to, you know, just relax, not overthink plays and just go play and and make it like it is on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, uh, some of you may also be forgetting this is LSU and the entire country recruited every player on their team. So, you know, they have a little something to do with making some of the plays. So.
6: All right, Shane, so jumping back to the SEC East night game here. Lock of the week came through for one of us, brother, because Kentucky <laughs> held on to beat South Carolina 16-10. to And, man, I still do not know what in the hell to make about Kentucky, Shane. They had three more turnovers in this game. They've got a negative nine turnover margin. That is the worst in the country Yet, they're sitting here right. at 4-0. and They're 2-0 and in the SEC. If you, you know, play in a – they've only beaten South Carolina and Missouri, which I do not think, obviously, are, are two of the better teams in the East. But I think it's a credit to Kentucky that you could win like this yes. because if you go and look and see who the teams are that are that far the, in the turnover margin, I mean, we're talking some of the worst of the worst in college football, yet Ken, right. Kentucky is finding a way to win. And I think that gives you an indication of, uh, you know, how good of a team they are. And finally, we've been waiting for the defense to emerge, and they just shut South Carolina down basically uh, for the entire game outside of one drive that was at uh, the first drive of the second half for the Gamecocks. They scored a touchdown. But beyond that, basically nothing. I mean, it it is almost impossible to have three turnovers and the other team get no points off turnovers. (laughs) But that's – uh, that's what happened here in this matchup and South Carolina fans seeing a lot of frustration from them, but Hey, this is where the program's at right now. I mean, you've, mm-hmm. you've got some solid pieces, but you just don't have the, uh, the roster then. And I know that it'll probably make you sick to hear it. You just don't have a roster that matches Kentucky, which uh, Mark Stoops has been there eight, nine years, building the thing up. And if you don't, Take advantage of mistakes from the other team. There's no chance in hell you're going to beat them, even at home with a rowdy crowd. And you know, I'll throw up the uh, South Carolina drive chart here. I mean, it's it's disgusting to look at. But uh, what was your thoughts on this game with Kentucky beating South Carolina on the road?
7: Yeah, well, I kind of felt a little 2019 ish there for a minute. <laughs> <I was like, laughs> Get back to the running game here. Uh, I, I think. I think. A couple of things, Mike. For starters, this may be the ugliest 4-0 team out there, but mm-hmm. they are 4-0, and and that's all that matters at the end of the day. If it's ugly every week, I'll take it as long as it's a victory. Now, what I did like, Mike, is, you know, when you look at that UTC game, there that's the first thing that everybody bashed. The media, ourselves here, we were on the offensive line yeah, these guys were supposed to be touted. These guys were supposed to be really good. This is supposed to be explosive running game. And, and they, they at times felt like they got manhandled against UTC. And I think that was the emphasis, Mike. And they took it serious and came out. And, I mean, you look at it, 230 total rushing yards, an average of over five yards a carry. That, that screams more to me about the offensive line than it does You know, Rodriguez or Smoke. Now, they've had great games, but it all started up front. So I think that's the key. Kentucky is at their best when they are controlling the trenches. And that's what they did against South Carolina on both sides of the ball. South Carolina could get nothing going. Again, they are stymied, they got one dimensional, and South Carolina cannot win that way. So Doty's back. I, he, I mean, it was good seeing him out there, but he's clearly got some work. He's got some rust he needs to knock off, Mike. Yeah, and some
6: of these receivers have got to help him out. I mean, there was uh, some critical drops in this game. But, you know, again, this is kind of just where South Carolina's at, man, where they just cannot – you know, the coaches can only draw up so many things. you got to take advantage mm-hmm. of the plays that are there. And you're right about the rushing – I mean, the offensive line – I said this was going to be one of the biggest matchups in the weekend in the SEC. Kentucky won the rushing battle 230 to South Carolina's 58. So, I mean, we're talking Mm -hmm. massive, massive advantage. And, hell, they had a couple more fumbles that they fell out. I mean, this thing could have been four or five turnovers (laughs) For 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 the Kentucky Wildcats. That has got to be the biggest concern inside of that building there uh, with Kentucky. Now Florida's coming to town. You give Florida three turnovers, they're going to whoop your ass. I don't care where the game's at. Oh, yeah. So uh, they have yep. got got to get that cleaned up. And South Carolina, you know, it's not all doom and gloom. I mean, you, I think this defense is playing their guts out, yeah. Shana. I mean, they're swarming to the ball. They're, they're forcing all these turnovers. They're giving their offense every opportunity to, to To make these ball games, but uh, at this yeah. point they're just not doing it. And it's like you said, Luke Doty. You know, I have been saying all offseason season that um, you know I've, I need to see it from him, and I'm still not technically. You know, I'm not sitting here saying he's some great quarterback, but I don't think he's that bad. I think uh, it's like you said. I mean, hell, he he missed a lot of training camp. He missed a couple games of the season. Mm-hmm. He do, he does not look like he's in over his head. He's he certainly got the arm. And I think he's still slightly limited and that's just that's just me guessing you know about his mobility. but imagine once he's back to full 100 percent back from that injury, he'll just be that much more of a weapon. but South Carolina yeah. you got to get that ground game going because if, if you don't if you can't run the ball with these running backs and this offensive line you got, you, you basically got no chance because because Luke Doty and these receivers are just not good enough at this point to carry you. SEC wins uh, outside of maybe the Vanderbilt game. You know what?
7: Well, and that's that's the thing, Mike. I, I get the running backs, but you've got to have passing attack. If you're not, you're going to load up the box. I don't care how good you are. You know, Harris is just not going to get it done. So, that's my big one is, is becoming two-dimensional. Doty, obviously, if he would have started week one, this may have been a different outcome. Um, you know, you you if you tell me right now – that your opponent's going to get 16 points every week, I'll take it. Because most – nine times out of ten, you're going to win that game. Mm -hmm. So, the fact South Carolina was able to keep Kentucky in check at 16 points. Well, let me ask you, Mike, because just one – I guess your view on it. Kentucky had a bad week last week. I I wouldn't consider this a a great win this week. But – do you think they're going in the right direction? I mean, I know they're four and zero, and you got South Carolina again. I, th- I thought there was moments in Georgia they looked good. Um, they were able to keep Kentucky in check to sixteen points. Are you? Let me ask you this: Are you more worried about Kentucky right now? Or are you more impressed with where South Carolina is? Because a lot of people didn't think this was going to be a ball game at all. I would say more
6: worried about where Kentucky is, and uh, because I think if this trend continues with the turnovers, you're going to get handed a couple losses here in SEC play. Now, I also yeah. think if you clean it up like the Will Levis interception was just god awful. I mean he's he's throwing off his back foot. He's trying to throw it 50 yards downfield. And you know, he's got Wandale Robinson. It looks like he's open. If he throws it in front of him, he throws it behind him and it's an easy pick. And these mm-hmm. these are things that are basically unforced errors, you know? And Will Levis has right. thrown an interception in every game. So that's on him you know at one two I could see now we're going into week five and he's got an interception every game he has got to get that cleaned up and you know Mm -hmm. like I said they're going to have some losses if this continues but I also you know let's flip it the other way if they play a clean game of football I think they can beat Florida but yeah it's it's easy to sit here and say they're gonna play it clean because the Gators got a hell of a team. You know what I mean? They're gonna be forcing yeah. the, these the the issue. They're gonna be punching at every single ball because Kentucky's been giving it up so much. So uh, that has got to be corrected. And and Mark Stoops keeps saying it, and I'm not seeing it get improved. So I don't know if it will uh, get any
3: better. To be honest with you, mm. well,
7: we're gonna find out next Saturday. <laughs>
3: that that that's just not it's not acceptable. He's played too much football for us to do that and we rely on him too much and at the end of the game I wanted him back in there and I count on him and he, he once again iced the game by getting tough yards when everybody in the stadium knew we were running the ball he got a first down and iced the game and uh, you know we will the only thing I could say is we can't make an excuse we've got to look at everything and go back to work and, and get it corrected. Mark what in
1: particular does it say about the mentality and you've got those two fourth down stops right
4: after the two lost bubbles in the second half when well, yeah, the game was right on the verge
3: of there. Yeah, I didn't realize that, John, that they were both after the turnovers, so that's good to know. Um, you know, uh, obviously my adrenaline gets going a little bit here uh, right after the game, but it says a lot about the defense. They were really excited to make those stops. Um, you know, they, di- they didn't put their head down when uh, they got put in that position, they didn't go out and mope and, oh, poor me. You know, they you know only on the bench for a few plays and get right back out there. And they, they, they buckled down and made stops. So it, it says a lot, and it doesn't surprise me. We got really good leadership there. A lot of guys that have played a lot of football, they're getting in better and better shape as the year goes on. I mean, I felt like we've been strong all year. But, you know, as I said, we got to continue to bring along some young guys and get some depth going. Uh, but they really played their, their hearts out today. I mean, just... They gave up 216 total yards, so uh, they have some explosive playmakers, so that's a pretty great job. You almost feel like you're defying the odds a little bit with where the
4: turnovers have been. I mean,
3: yeah. <laughs> it's, got to, it's definitely got to be a point of emphasis for us, yes. I mean, I'm not happy about it, that's for sure. We've got to get it corrected. Again, there's there's really no excuses. We've got to do a better job, and uh, we've got to get back at it. Hey, Shane. Thanks for doing this.
2: Uh, not to sound like a broken record, but offensively, what what's the main problems, and, and how are you guys? What are you guys going to have to look at over this next week?
11: I don't know. I mean, there's a lot. Obviously, ran the ball 26 times for 58 yards. Not good enough. Um, uh, you know, Luke carried the ball some tonight and, and didn't look great all the time running it. You know, he's continuing to uh, get where he feels you know 100 percent and. And, uh, you know, had some good runs, but just had too many negative runs. So, you know, each week's different, David. And right now, it ain't good enough. Our defense played their butts off tonight and and um, gave us every opportunity to win that game. And we didn't get it done. Yeah, Shane, you mentioned on your teleconference
5: last week you want to be aggressive. What went into the decision there to go for – on those two fourth downs on back-to-back possessions, and what did you see on both of those plays? Uh,
11: the first one – um, I think it was a thirteen to six, I think, or whatever it was at that time. i mis- if I'm not mistaken. Um, just trying to be aggressive. Uh, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, you kick the field goal there, and you cut it to three the way your defense is playing, and you have momentum uh, as the drive was going on. Felt you know good about if we got it to fourth and I think that was fourth and five if I'm not mistaken. If we got it to fourth and five or less, uh, feeling good you know about our chances of converting. We had we had the look that we wanted. Uh, I was going to use a timeout there if we didn't like what the defense was in. We felt good about the play we had called versus the defense they were in, and and um, we got to execute. And then on the uh, on the second one, same thing. The second one was more just with the way our defense was playing and the way they kept bailing and bailing us out. Um, um, you know, I'd I, I never flinch thinking about our defense, but I didn't want to keep putting them and keep asking them to get stop after stop after stop at some point we got to convert a freaking fourth down or third down and get a freaking first down and help our defense and score touchdowns and that's what I was trying to do Shane kind of to that a little bit it seemed like Luke definitely settled in a little bit more as the game got on I mean were you seeing that same thing and I guess just with him what's maybe the next progression how much of it is just him getting back and knocking off the rust and at least what were you seeing from him tonight no, I thought he did a good job. He was poised and, and was able to communicate between series well. And and with him, I mean, I wouldn't just say, yeah, the rust, but, you know, I'm not making excuses for Luke. Luke. Let's not act like Luke's some four-year starter either. I think he's started his third career game ever as a college quarterback tonight. So, yes, I know he started some games down the stretch. Um, it's his second year as a college football player, and it's his first start of the season in his third start ever as a game cock. Um, does he need to play better? Yes, but I mean Luke gave us a chance to win tonight, 17 to 25 and 158 yards and and ran the ball enough to keep teams honest. He's got to continue to get healthy. He's got to get more and more comfortable and and knock that rust off and then he's just got to continue to grow and mature as a uh, as a quarterback, which he which he will. I mean,
6: well, sticking in the SCC E-shay, we got to get to your team here, the the Tennessee Vols go on the road and fall to the Gators, thirty-eight to fourteen, mm. and just a little peeling back the uh, curtain here for the audience. Cousin Shane was firing off those texts to me during this game. <laughs> oh, baby, he thought them Vols had something cooking uh, with that big Javonta Payton seventy-five yard catch from Hendon Hooker. Tyon Evans had him a big. What was it, a 47-yard touchdown run? Mm -hmm. I mean, the Tennessee Vols, Shay. they were slashing them Gators for explosive plays, and then they didn't do nothing because the Gators, (laughs) man, are, you know, they are a complete team here. They won the uh, rushing battle 283 to 148. Florida was five for five in the red zone, and I think most importantly, Impressively, nine for 14 on third downs. The Gators were getting over seven yards per first down, which just makes Mm -hmm. it so much easier uh, on you on that second and third down, obviously. So, I mean, just basically a dominant performance for the Gators outside of those two explosive plays. And, you know, I I think uh, this is one we all thought, we all circled, could this be a trap game? You just played Alabama. You played your guts out, came up just short. How are you going to respond to this Vols team that no one's got respect for? Are you going to come down to their level? And it certainly looked like the Gators were early. Uh, Kyrie Elam wasn't playing. Was that going to be a factor? No factor mm-hmm. at all for the Florida Gators because Dan Bullen has got his program trending in the right direction. And even Emory Jones, who his mama loves him, apparently I had to hear that 20 times. <laughs> I was like, what a stunner. I mean, is, he's is my... <laughs> His mom – wait, are you saying his mom? <laughs> but uh, yeah, big performance here
7: for the Gators. Thoughts on this game, Shane? Well, obviously, if we would have if we would have spiked the damn ball a few times, Mike, <laughs> we would have. If <laughs> you're if you, you ask McRoy, but uh, no, I, I think on this one, Mike, uh, I think it's optimistic, man. I, I, I'm coming from Tennessee fan here. I, that's something we've never had or haven't had in a long time coming from this florida game. We played them tough. Tennessee played them tough, buddy. And they we got a scrappy bunch of boys out there, but they had to play a perfect game and they were at times, man. The defense looked great. They they knew what florida was going to try to do and they were they were doing just about everything they could everything they could to get the get them off the field which I thought was impressive. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you think a little mistakes. Like that Copeland drop, uh, that, that had nothing but green behind him. If he would have scored, then we would have been a three-point game again after half. So, I, I just, again, I think it was opportunities. And then, obviously, when Hooker got hurt, that was the end. And But I will tell you this, Mike. Out of all the games that I've watched this year, Florida has got to be winning in the halftime adjustments category. Uh, you think about the Alabama game last week. You think about the Tennessee game. You know, he didn't come out with the same script he did in the first quarter. Uh, it, it felt like we did not have an answer. When they decided to, hey, let's be too to de- bitch Let's don't just run the ball. Florida, I think, came out with a vanilla scheme a vanilla offense and uh when they realized that this was going to be a ball game there at half i think i think he opened up the playbook a little bit and that's what we saw but like i said mike I, I i think you know florida has got a lot more talent than tennessee but tennessee hung in there because they did have they did have the heart man
6: yeah and i think if you're a gator fan you have got to be loving i mean we're all huge fans of anthony richardson but Emory jones has just put back to back Outstanding performances on tape, and you need that mm-hmm. going on the road next week to Kentucky in a hostile environment. They're already planning to go half white, half blue in that stadium. Uh, you know that's going to be their Super Bowl type game because they sure do hate the Gators. Getting them in at night; those games have been fairly close in recent seasons. So, yeah, yet you, you need that uh, momentum with Emory Jones because. Uh, just uh, his importance to the game plan for the Florida Gators. It finally looks like he's breaking out. He had well over 300 yards of total offense, two touchdowns. And for for the Tennessee side, Shane, one thing I forgot to mention, that kind of my main takeaway, hell, you know, I don't think anybody, even the biggest Tennessee homer, thought Tennessee had a chance to win this game heading into it. Mm-mm. But, you know, Josh Heupel, I continue to be impressed with his ability to just uh, you know design these plays to have these guys wide wide ass open down the field, yeah. uh, he and, yeah. and and not only just down the field but just scheme up uh, you know all these these plays are there to be made they're just not always being made by the Vols and because they just don't have you know the caliber of, of player that a lot of these elite SEC teams do. Uh, but if nothing else, I think that's got to give you confidence that uh, once the talent is upgraded, or, or once they have a full roster of players that know the system, um, you know, I, th- yeah. I think Josh Heupel is is really a, a really outstanding X's and O's football coach uh, on the offensive side, based on what I've seen after uh, hey. you know four games here.
7: Again, Mike, I I came out of this game more optimistic than upset, and, and that's hard to do when you when you lose to the Florida Gators. But that's exactly where I'm at because I think we've got, I think we've got the recipe. We just don't have all the ingredients yet. You know, I, I we don't have uh, some of these wide receivers. They're young, they're inexperienced. They had a lot of drops. They're they, they're going to get better. We've got a quarterback and Hooker that I think he got better moving into this week, but he's still got a lot of work to do. And you saw that this team, this team can be very exciting if they can get vertical. And and that's something that they've not been – we have to have big plays to make this offense work. And you saw what happened when we did. We made it a ball game. So that's something we've just got to keep – got to believe in ourselves, and I think this team is. So um, I, I think the future is bright. I, just like I said, just to expect it in year one – Especially with all the transferred out that we had, mm-hmm. it's 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 not impossible, but it's improbable that we uh, that we have a, a extremely successful season. So, but again, that being said, a lot of good things came out of this game. Both sides, I, I think, the fact that Florida, you know, they were dealing with a few injuries coming into this game. You didn't have to roll out uh, Anthony Richardson again. I think that's, a, that's big. It's another week for him to get healthier because there's going to come a time when you're going to need to roll out AR-15 mm-hmm. and you're going to want him to be as healthy as possible. So I, I, I think it was good for the Florida Gators. I, I think they're happy about it. And I think, you know, Tennessee, there's a lot. There's some chirping, but for the most part, I think we're, we're good too because we know that brighter days are ahead for Tennessee.
1: And then Emory tonight set a record that had not been set since Tebow in 09. Just what have you kind of seen from him over the past couple of weeks and even from the first half to the second half tonight?
8: Yeah, I think you see him really settling down and understanding. I thought he did a great job making his reads, managing the offense, uh, getting us in the right checks, into the right plays, uh, you know, decision making. And it was was, was pretty good in the past game. And then, um, you know, obviously, scrambling. Um you know I mean you look at we have 15 carries that's probably a little much but a bunch I think a bunch of more kind of scrambles too and him improvising uh, non- you know I, I I don't know if we called many direct quarterback runs uh, in the game tonight. So I think, you know, he, he had some runs and scrambled some reads and had, had some explosive, you know. But I think it shows how he's managing things. And You were um, still kind of learning how to call plays for Emory. Yeah. Um, different stuff tonight. I think you guys are under, more under center than you have been in the first three games. Um, how are you, you know, adapting and, and growing with Emory? Yeah, I, I just think, you know, when the, when the playbook opens up and we have different plans each week, and I think you're starting to see his confidence a little bit more uh play in and which you know gives us more confidence to even you know throw throw more things in from the playbook right there of, of how we want to attack teams and uh, what was your assessment of the defense tonight i thought played excellent i thought todd did a great job uh with with uh, getting the guys ready to play they're an explosive offense tough offense to play uh you look in the first half we had a couple of missed tackles uh, which allowed them to keep a keep a drive alive, and then that one touchdown was a missed tackle, and then you know we had a blown coverage in your man coverage, cover your man. I'm, you know, it's not like we were being real complex with it all, um, and uh, just had a had a missed assignment there. But I think you you saw what Todd and his guys were able to do. Uh, you know, at the adjustments they made at halftime uh, for us to come in and pitch the shutout in the second half, and. Uh, you know, really since, you know, they didn't, they, they, they hit a whatever it was a 75 yard blown coverage bomb and they don't score again. And uh, so I think Todd and his staff did an amazing job tonight.
6: Yeah. Josh, what did you think of, of Hendon's game today? And was
3: Joe healthy enough to start this game? And and then what's Hendon's status
9: uh, coming re- out of this too? Yeah. Re- really didn't want to play uh, uh, Joe in this game. If we could just based off of, uh, the amount of work that he got during the week and where we felt like he was at the at the end of the week. I thought Hendon played hard, competed, um, made some big time plays uh, inside of the pocket, used his feet opportunistic, um, you know, had a, a play or two down the field that uh, that we didn't connect on. I thought he, um, you know, handled the, the noise, the, the communication for the most part in a really positive way during the course of the game, uh, handled the ups and downs and, and continued to fight and compete and do it in a positive way Ground the sideline uh, in his demeanor too. So, um, you know, a ton of positives. There. Gosh,
3: I know you value progress a lot. In what ways do you think this team is better than it was against
9: Bowling right, Green? I, I think we're a better football team in in, the, in our understanding of what we're doing, and and in some ways execution. When you're playing a really good football team like this, though, um, when there's opportunities and, and those things arise, you gotta you gotta make those plays. And, and uh, today, I didn't feel like we we did that.
2: Yeah, Josh, can you just talk about, I know the second half didn't go your way, but you had some things going there until that Callaway drop. Can you just talk about that fourth? Because you yeah. convert to fourth and five, and then obviously that play.
9: Yeah, I had a couple. Um, the second half, it just the, the flow of it, um, you know, the clock was draining on, on everybody's drives during the second half. There weren't a ton of opportunities. Uh, you had to maximize every one of those those drives. And, and uh, you know, a couple of uh, situations that we're in in, in fourth down that, you know, we got Callaway on, on, a, on a simple drag route. that has got a chance to, you know, pick up a first down and maybe go the distance. Uh, we're in a, a, a fourth and short and uh, a unique situation having moved centers and end up in a, a delay of game there and, and uh, feel like you have to punt the football. So just some unique things that unfolded that you, you can't do as a – if you want to win against a really good football team like this, you, you just can't do it as a program. So we got to get better.
6: All right, so let's jump it on down to the plains where, ooh, man, we almost had a massive <laughs> upset. We were all making the Georgia State jokes, but Auburn held on 34 to 24 in a game that was a lot, a lot closer than that final score indicates. Georgia State won the rushing battle 267 to 166, uh, and this Georgia State team was just gashing Auburn on the ground. Mm. In this game in the first half, I believe the score at halftime was uh 24 to 12. I mean, this was yeah, this was Georgia State's game to have. They got a little conservative at the tail end, but it's good news they did because uh, you know, credit Brian Harson for making the switch. Bo Nix, this was really really rough performance. Hell, that's you remember going into that Penn State game, I was hyping up Bo Nix since that time. He's been he's been uh, (laughs) you know, questionable to say the best. And here comes T.J. Finley, the former LSU quarterback, to save the day. Needed a 98-yard touchdown drive to win the game, and the you know the most sensational play of all came on fourth and goal. He looks like he was going to get sacked. He made a miraculous play just to keep the play alive, and then hits a yeah. w- wide open receiver in the in the end zone for a touchdown. So yeah, hey. I know this is not one that you're you're proud of if you're an Auburn fan, but a win's a win. And, you know, it'd be a completely different story, in my opinion, if this was, say, the Florida Gators, who are in year four of Dan Mullen struggling against Georgia State. This is year one, new new coaching staff, of course. You're trying to, you know, figure out who your quarterback is. It certainly looks like T.J. Finley should be that guy. They have yet to make Mm -hmm. that announcement. But – You know, it is troubling that you had this performance. And then right before we hopped on the show, it was announced Brian Harsons fired his receivers coach, Cornelius Williams. He was formerly of Troy. But – and you really – you needed a block punt in the second half to get you – get the program going. But, hey, when your offense is struggling, when your defense is struggling, that's why it's a three-phase game. And, you know, people mock special teams all the time, but – that could be the difference between winning and losing. And if not for this block punt, Auburn does not win this football game. Uh, thoughts on this one, Shane? Auburn Tigers barely escaped, but a win's a win.
7: Yeah, I thought I thought Will Friend got fired, you know, since he lost <laughs> to Georgia State, at Tennessee and almost lost <laughs> down there. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I Mike, this is this is a game that nobody's gonna want to talk about. Forever. I I mean, you talk to any Auburn fan, whether it be next year or 20 years from now, they're not (laughs) going to want to sit down and tell you about the miracle of Georgia State because that's what it was. And if you haven't seen this fourth down, I mean, it was a miracle. It was – if if it were against a if this was against Penn State man they'd be running it on Sports Center for weeks. <laughs> they're not going to talk about it because it's Georgia State. But if you get a chance, jump on there on the YouTubes and watch that Finley score because it is just crazy that it would even come down to that. Now I know, listen, Tennessee ball fan. I know Georgia State well. All right, I'm the one that put the memes out because I had them saved from the time they kicked our ass. So I, I get it. But I I'm telling you right now there's... there's... There's no reason that this should even have been a ballgame. There's no reason. I don't know if you fired the right person, Mike. When I'm looking at 267 yards rushing against you, maybe we should be looking at that defense, you know. I I know Mm -hmm. there was some offensive miscommunications, and we want to – Bo Nix is the one that everybody wants to talk about, but you got gashed, man, by Georgia State. So I there, naturally there was going to be a letdown. I just didn't expect it to be like this, Mike.
6: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's troubling. And now they got to go on the road, like I said, to LSU. That's not a place where you, you know, want to correct some issues. But maybe you, maybe now with TJ Finley in there, that sparks the offense. It certainly did in this game. He's playing against his former team. You know, this is going to be. You know, he he said all the right things after leaving. But you got to imagine this is the biggest game of his life wanting to prove Cocho and them LSU Tigers wrong. So, uh, you know, that'll be a big, big one here Saturday night in Death Valley.
1: Hey Brian, can you sort of take us through your mind? First of all, as TJ's making that play on the fourth down and then also just how hard is it for him to come in there starting at the two yard line when he just came in in the second half and to be in that spot?
4: Yeah, good yep. questions. Um, I probably can't repeat what's going through my mind. On that last play there, I was excited. You could see as he broke, I and mean, I went right to the QB as we got pressure, and he was able to escape. And it's it's fourth down and goal. You have to make a play. you got to give your receivers an opportunity to to make something happen, and, and he did. We popped, uh, we scored the touchdown, and then we were able to co- convert the two-point conversion. Uh, which was huge and and we needed to be really smart in that situation as far as, I didn't ask him what he thought about being clear backed up. I saw the punt.
5: Hey hey Brian, just making the switch at quarterback from Bo to TJ, can you just kind of talk us through your your mindset there and what was it about the offense in the third quarter where you kind of decided, okay, it's time to make a switch?
4: Well, you saw the same thing I did. We we weren't really doing anything. Uh, We had played every running back. We played every wide receiver. You're not going to switch your offensive line out and and i made the decision to to change and try to create some type of momentum at the offensive uh you know at the quarterback position for the offense and so that was my decision that 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 was that was my decision that was something that um you know i tell our quarterbacks all the time like control what you can control i've coached that position for a long time i played that position and you know you can only control what you're doing on the field and you know guys around you have to make plays You, you know that's That's the one thing about the quarterback position. You get way too much credit and way too much blame. And I made the decision to to make a change and and see if we could just create some momentum. And we did. And it worked in our favor. Uh, Babo has worked very hard. He practices hard. He does all the things we ask him to do. Uh, We just didn't have really a lot of things happen for us that, that was going our way in this game. And sometimes on offense, that's how it goes. And sometimes playing that position, that's how it goes. Sometimes you need somebody to come in there and step up and and be able to just have some fresh eyes out there and just go make some plays, and that's what happened in the game. But um, we're going to come back to work on Sunday with Bo and TJ and the guys on this team on the offensive side, and we're going to get better. And you know what? I expect from both those guys to come out there and work hard and do all the things that we've been doing and listen to Coach Bobo and listen to the the things that, that we did uh, with the offensive group, you know, and uh, and make sure that we're getting better at that. But um, Bo was right there cheering on his teammates, and, and that's how it goes sometimes. So uh, that was my decision, and both those guys were fighting hard to win this game, and, you know, TJ was able to be in there at the very end and, and get it done.
0: Coach, can you tell
11: me how uh, Bo handled the switch, you know, when, when TJ came in, how he was on the sideline, and, and how do we plan on um, handling the quarterback position, going into SEC play, getting ready?
4: Hey, I mean, what do you expect? Like he wants to be out there. I made that. That's why I said I made that decision. So, yeah, he's probably pissed, which every competitor would be. You want to be out there on the field, but that's that's not what he could control in that situation. I controlled that, and so he supported his teammates. That's what he can control, and that's how I mean how any player that comes out of the game. Like you don't want to come out of the game, but sometimes. You know, coaches make decisions. And and that's the decision that I made in the game. So, really, all Bo can do and all anybody else can do is support your teammates, which is exactly what he did. And to me, like, there's more to that than, than a lot of people think. So, um,
7: and then. All right, Shane, ju- uh, <laughs> jump into. Th- gonna have, they're oh. going to have nightmares about that little running back for <laughs> Georgia State. <laughs> Looked
6: like a little bulldog, didn't he? I-
7: Man, he had heart, buddy. He was giving it all he had, dude. They were they were already sell. They should still celebrate. They should have a parade <laughs> and to get back. That was a hell of a game for him.
6: Speaking of having a hell of a game, shade. How about them Bulldogs go on the road, beat Vanderbilt sixty-two to zero. Could have won by about a hundred. <laughs> you know, it, this was thirty-five to zero right out the gate. Uh, I believe that was in the first quarter. Still. Uh, I mean, Mm -hmm. this was almost like an FCS opponent, Shane. I mean, JT Daniels got to sit the final three quarters of the game. Uh, Vanderbilt had Mm -hmm. 24 passing yards in the game, 77 total yards, while Georgia had 524 (laughs) yards. I mean, this was a (laughs) game where everybody got into play. We had Ladd McConkley scoring multiple touchdowns in the first quarter. We had – Brock Bowers, the freshman tight end, scoring multiple touchdowns in the first quarter. Mm. I mean, this was basically like, uh, who's you have yet to scored a touchdown in their career? <laughs> Let's get you a touchdown on this one. So yeah,
7: I I thought Kirby snuck in there for a second. <laughs> I was like, is that Kirby? <laughs> nah. <laughs> I mean, basically the only thing Vandy had going in this game, they stuffed.
6: Which hey, credit to him, man. Uh, you can make all the jokes you want. They stuffed the Georgia Bulldogs on a fourth and goal. This is uh, two weeks in a row that uh, Vanderbilt has stuffed the opponent on fourth and goal. But, so that's a credit to the fight this team has, but they are just worlds, yeah. worlds apart from them Georgia Bulldogs, who, again, I continue to stress, I think the best team in the country, and this is on full display, man. And, and it, you know, everybody knew Georgia was going to win this football game. But I think yeah. the most impressive thing, and it's something that Kirby has been hitting on, is the fact that his team has not been taken any days off. And I believe Jordan Davis, Shane, played eight snaps in this game. That's how <laughs> – <laughs> like I said, I mean, this was like a scrimmage for them Bulldogs. You know what?
7: Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. That's exactly what it was. And it came at a good time, I think, especially when you're looking at JT. You You know, just kind of getting him back acclimated into the game. Uh, after that injury, I think that's important because, uh, the games are going to ramp up, man. Not every week's going to be a Vanderbilt, but this was, I mean, what, what can you say about this game? I, I the, the stat that was floating around, I think at one point they they had more, Georgia had more points than Vanderbilt had yards in the fourth <laughs> quarter. So, I mean, there was this, there's not really much to take from that. But like you said, it was getting everybody out healthy. It was getting – just you just keep going. That's the thing. You, it's not a bye week. Mm-hmm. You still got ready for game. You still got to play a little bit. You, so, I think that's important so you don't have that letdown moving forward. Kirby,
2: it's an interesting dynamic. Um, Jordan Davis told the SEC Network that he played nine snaps. JT just played the first quarter. Nolan was just in front of you talking about practices being harder than the games. What is it kind of like, just that dynamic when you have a week like this where you bust it during practice and you may only get nine snaps or only play one quarter in a game?
5: It rarely happens, you know, in our conference. It's it's like I said, there's more parity in terms of games and the games you play. It it, it rarely happens. So you take it for what it is. You grow the other players. You get a chance to develop them. And, you know, hey, uh, I talked to uh, an NFL GM that told me the best thing to do is tell the players, go play good so the other guys can play. And uh, I didn't have the guts to say it, but they—they they, they did. They went and played well, and um, and the other guys got to play because they played well. So our team got to grow as a, as a unit because of
1: our ability to play a lot of players. Kirby, it's kind of like Brandon said. It seems like we ask about Brock Bowers every week, but with him and Lad McConkey, just how impressive is it what they're doing in terms of you know being able to contribute this early? Are they two of the most, I guess? Impress the freshmen you've been around in terms of their ability to pick up the playbook and all the intricacies that guys have to learn to get on the field quick.
5: They're just real tough, hard workers um, that <laughs> believe in the process of of working really hard. I mean, Lab McConkey wasn't real heralded either, <laughs> but he was a guy that we watched, and I said, "What? What? This guy's fast. He's smart. He's athletic, and he 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 competes. He's tough." And, you know, to me, that's a little bit what's missing in football, you know, like, like, don't, don't, don't tell me how good you are. Show me. And uh, he's done a really good job doing that. Since none of you guys ever gave me a question to give me an opportunity to say this, I want to thank our fans for packing it at the stadium. But I want to issue a challenge, and I want it to be heard right now. You know, we got a huge game next week at 12 o'clock in Athens, Georgia. And everybody wants our team to be elite, and I want our team to be elite, and we've thrown that word around. So when we talk about our fan base, we talk about our fan base being elite, you know, we want to be there early and show up better than we ever have. We want to be loud, which is the L, louder than we ever have. We want to be super intense because the players are going to be intense. We need the fans to be intense. The toughness that we're going to show, we need our fan base to show, and the last thing is elite. So if our fans will be elite, we'll have an opportunity to put on a a heck of a show at 12 o'clock in Sanford Stadium next week. Thanks and go
0: dogs.
6: Yeah, kind of the same thing with our last game, Shane. Alabama just destroyed Southern Miss 63-14. I mean, the spread was like 49 points. They found a way to cover. Uh, how about this guy, Shane? Jamison Williams, the receiver, returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown, and that's when I knew Southern Miss was in trouble. Uh, he also <laughs> he had another kick return, and he also had a receiving touchdown, and I heard that uh, he's the first player in SEC history, Shane, to have two kick kickoff return touchdowns and a receiving touchdown in the same game. And this is a guy that transferred in from Ohio State. How in the hell did they ever let him go? I'll never know. Uh, Bryce Young threw his first interception of the season, so they should probably bench him because uh, <laughs> otherwise he was 20 or 22 for 313 and to five touchdowns. My goodness. Oh, my God. The Heisman hype's still alive with him. But, uh, you know, same deal. It, I thought it was hilarious. I don't know if you saw it, Shane, but, you know, coming into halftime, they asked Saban, you know, why he was he was yelling at somebody. I guess he was, you know, he had to pick something, and and he said, you know, we got to, we have got to get off the field on third down, and Southern <laughs> Miss was two of ten for third on third down or something crazy like that. I mean, they had more. Let's count them here. They had eight three and outs in the football game, so uh, that's about as many touchdowns as Alabama scored here. So I mean, just a complete, complete domination. And credit to the Crimson Tide. Same thing I said about the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, you know, they are not going down to the level mm-hmm. of their competition after after doing that against Mercer and it
7: Yeah, I just thought Young, like you said, you look at that stat line, twenty of twenty-two. Hell I mean, technically he only had one incompletion. One was an interception. So I mean, he had a hell of a game, but I knew I knew Southern Miss was in trouble when I first saw him on the schedule. <laughs> but second when the coach <laughs> sent out did you see that that message going around talking about well, Alabama's never put an athlete like Brett Favre in the league or something along those lines. You see that? <laughs> you know, you know, Saban had that shit printed up and put on the locker room. So I, I just think that uh, that's that's when you you made your problem right there. As rat poison. So Alabama came out just they did what just like Georgia, they just came out, they did their job, they got a field, stayed healthy. I think that's the key there too.
6: All right, Shane. So that you know, that's a recap of all the action. But uh, as we love to do here, let's uh, preview the opening lines for the next weekend again. And my goodness, Shane, do we got some big ones here? So I'm going to start at the bottom of the list. Sorry, Vandy, but uh, how about this, Shane? <laughs> UConn at Vandy. You'll ne- you'll never guess guess the line for this one.
7: Negative. No. <laughs> uh, go, uh, Vander. I actually. I think UConn's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go Vandy, Vandy minus two, Vandy minus fourteen, favored by two touchdowns. Shane, Ooh. so how
6: about that? That'll be a nice little win there for the Commodores. Troy at South Carolina, the Gamecock. Shane, favored by nine points. So, mm. you know that's a that's a nice get right game there. Uh, yeah. How about definitely. this one, Shane? Guess the line Mississippi State at Texas A and M. What do you what do you got for that?
7: Oh God. Give me A and M minus eleven. Oh, you're close. It was
6: A and M minus eight. How about this one? Mm. Auburn at LSU.
7: Mm. Uh. At LSU. Yes,
0: uh, give me,
6: oh,
7: give me LSU minus one. LSU minus
6: four. So you were pretty close. Mm. Oh, how about your Vol Shane going on the road at Missouri? What do you? What line do you mm. guess for that?
7: Uh Vols minus seventeen. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh I think they're gonna still give Mizzou the 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 push here. So I'm gonna go Mizzou minus one. It's Mizzou minus three. So again, pretty close. Mm. Florida
6: at Kentucky. Huge matchup in the SEC East. What do you got for that yeah. one? Uh Florida minus thirteen. Florida, only favored by eight. So, that you know, interesting. Uh-oh. And then here, the two biggest games. I mean, I don't even know which one you can call the biggest game because they're so epic here. But Arkansas at Georgia, what do you think for that one? Uh, Georgia minus nine. You're only halfway there, brother. Georgia by
7: 18. Golly. Now, how about Ole Miss they have been, at Alabama? No respect. Alabama at Ole Miss. Uh Alabama at Oh. Ole Miss at Alabama. It could be in the Walmart parking lot, Mike. I'm still gonna take (laughs) Alabama minus twelve. Alabama minus twenty. Golly. Okay. Get your bets in there, guys, for those (laughs) those lines change. (laughs) I feel like those will
6: both be coming down because uh man, those are just we'll have all week to, to, to discuss those, but uh My goodness, those three games at the top of the the list, and particularly Arkansas, Georgia, Ole Miss, Alabama, just when I don't think we could have any better weekend in the SEC. (laughs) I mean, we are getting – and, hell, all these games. I mean, Auburn, LSU, a lot on the line. Tennessee, Missouri, Mississippi State, A&M, both those – all these teams desperate for a win to keep that momentum going. Otherwise, things could go south in a hurry, so – Oh man, we we have got a lot. And we got to look we got to. teams
7: fighting for bowl games this week. I, I tell you, it's it's some of these games are the ones that's going to decide who's playing in the who's getting those extra practices at the end of the year. So absolutely, yeah, this is a, this is a make or break weekend as well. So, and I think if it's anything like the last week, buddy. I'm going to have a heart attack during one of these damn games. i got to stop gambling because I I did not want to die during a Boston College-Missouri game. I, I, I don't want that on my tombstone, you know. Oh, golly. They've got to get that defense. Well, now that they're playing Tennessee, I don't want them to get their defense right just yet. But... Maybe a next week they can fire somebody and get that thing set. Maybe they can convince Barry to come back.
6: <laughs> All right, brother. Well, hey, we went long on this one, uh, so I think I'll cut us off here. But I do appreciate you hopping on the line after such an exciting weekend. Of SEC action, i appreciate each and every one of your listeners, and and the responses and the feedback has been tremendous and outstanding. I mean, yeah. it's just more than it's ever been. So keep that coming. We truly do appreciate each and every one of those. And I I think I got about a dozen koozies that I got to run down to the mailbox. Hell so yeah. keep those five star ratings coming and keep uh, showing us those koozies at the tailgates. love to see that. But uh, that's all I got. Come brother. on, cousins.
7: <laughs> that's right, man. Well, it was a great week, Mike, and uh, we're going to have another good one here, and I'm just looking forward to action.
6: All right, Shane. Well, appreciate you hopping on the line. Catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols.